Welcome to the survival podcast for people who take movies too seriously. We survived the apocalypse, so you don't have to. I'm Johnny. And I'm Shane. And this week, come, it's time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. <laughs> such a good line. Uh, our uh, <laughs> first our first musical. Oh, very true. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, I'd forgotten just how much music, how many songs are in this movie. Uh, yeah, I believe there there is actually more songs than like certain films that are like completely accepted as musicals. Is is it officially accepted as a musical? What what defines a musical? Yeah, that's uh, I don't know. If you go by the Golden Globes, uh, everything with music in it is considered a musical. You know how they always like oh, nominate yeah, yeah. a film as best musical or comedy, and like oh, this film like they I remember they nominated Cash the johnny cash biography as best musical or comedy it's like well it's clearly not a comedy so they're obviously considering it a musical but it's just about a musician it's not musical to me a musical is something where like part of the narrative is told through song yeah that's what i think which would mean wicker man would be like you take the scene we're skipping way ahead but the scene where willow is trying to seduce the sergeant she's literally singing a song to him yeah, like a yeah, spell. it's directed at him, and it's literally than he's reacting to it. It's it's a weird film. It's hard to uh, put in any category. <laughs> it's a the, folk yeah, horror it's... musical, maybe comedy. <laughs> maybe I yeah, I find it quite I find it quite comedic. Oh yeah, I mean, like like more so from all the supporting cast characters, like like the pub owner and. He's the straight man or whatever. Yeah. Um, but this guy who's like the pub owner and then there's, and even Willow, his daughter, and and even like the, the mother of the missing girl and all that. They're all just like, and there's the the guy who works in the graveyard and stuff. They're just these really kooky characters. Yeah, stuff. yeah. They're almost like Lynchian sort of just weirdos. Yeah, they're, they're in a, it's like they're in a different story to what the sergeant is in. You know, kind of, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. but obviously very much by design, I think. Of uh, course. But for people who haven't seen it, uh, The Wicker Man is a 1973 British film directed by Robin Hardy. Uh, it's set in a, a island off the coast of Scotland where uh, a police sergeant is summoned by the mother of a child who has been missing for how long has she been missing? A couple of months since previous spring, I think, or no, previous previous harvest so let's say a season yeah it's may and so she went missing say like in this around september october yeah and uh instantly he's uh gets kind of a, a hostile treatment he doesn't help things either but uh, yeah. it's clear that there's something there's something else going on on this island uh people are pretending they've never heard of this girl uh even the mother when he meets her, insists that she didn't send for him, and yeah, it's uh, real. Yeah, he's just he he instantly is brought into this very bizarre world, and we're just kind of there with him for it. Yeah, and like from straight away, like he arrives on his seaplane, and it's um, the locals won't even send out a dinghy to him because they're like, it, it's private land. What's your business? Yeah. And I love the idea of like a whole island with a population of. More than a hundred people, I'd say. Um, oh, wait, it looks like it has to be, it has to be like five hundred people. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm just you don't sorry, see them, but just going the by end, the, yeah. the landscape and the number of houses and stuff, it just looks like yeah. that has to be inhabited by like 500 people. But imagine like just 500 people living on a private, like some, it basically a millionaire's private estate. Like it's mad. Yeah. But do you think Sergeant, what's his name again? Oh, I should know this. I have it open in front of me here. Sorry. Sergeant Howie. Howie, of course. Howie is also like such a dickhead from the very beginning. Like when he lands his plane and he shout, he, he gets on the, the megaphone to ask for a dinghy. And he just kind of like, he's really aggressive about it. And the the docks captain or whatever is like, who are you? And he's like, who do you think I am? I'm a bloody police officer. And yeah, he, like, yeah. he shows so his uniform. It's like, well, maybe, maybe, you know, this guy's just on the, on the harbor there. Maybe he can't see you. He's also, this man's also in his seventies. Like, yeah. <laughs> why, why, why do you assume he can see that you're a police officer straight away? I think the plane does say police on it, but. Uh, yeah, but her, her, like bad sighted old fisherman standing on a harbor mm. mightn't be able to read yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just such a dick from the beginning. Uh, he's what I find so odd about this movie is that he's like so he's the hero of the story is like how it's set up and yeah he's the most unlikable prick <laughs> yeah, yeah like you were never at no point was I ever on his side you know what I mean I was never like oh I really hope this guy finds that girl <laughs> It's just like, no, fuck yeah. this prick. He deserves anything that happens to him. <laughs> and like, that's very realistic. Like he, he feels like the, like a lot of like police sergeants from that period where they're just so overly authoritative. Yeah. He reminds me of like, everybody had that teacher in school. It's just what to say that. Yeah. <laughs> like there was always that teacher in school, like the really strict teacher that you'd, you didn't want to be in that guy's maths class or whatever. And he only took the best people who were the best at maths. And, you know, the, the, and he was guy. normally also who taught PE or managed or coached <laughs> like the football yeah. team. And you'd have to, you'd yeah. have to, like, I remember I, for me, it was in like secondary school. Our teacher like that taught us tech graph, but he also coached a rugby team. And I had, oh, right. I, I done rugby just because it would just be another reason for him to focus on me in tech graph class because he hated people that didn't do sports. So I had to like join the rugby team, just like, I don't want to make life more difficult on myself and be on the, the bat, this guy's bad side. <laughs> and so I skirted by all right. But like there was one or two guys in class who didn't do rugby and they were just the focus of all his rage. Oh, Jesus. Like, for what reason? One of like... them, we had a choice between tech graph and home economics and one of them switched and done that just to avoid this man's rat and i was like ah, it's probably easier just to do rugby <laughs> i would have done um home economics i would have done it if we didn't because like for first year we done both and all we oh, done was yeah. s like sewed and like baked some shit if we don't actually cooking for it i'd have done it yeah yeah i got you but i don't want to um, fucking bake a cake for three years no. <laughs> um yeah he, he's just like that kind, of, that kind of authoritative, old-fashioned character, like they're they're always like a teacher or like that, a policeman or whatever. Uh, people of and positions of power, sergeant. yeah, like because yeah. 
because if he was just a, a regular like patrol cop he'd probably be fine but there's something about like you become a sergeant and you're very proper and he's almost he's more like a military man yeah which yeah. he probably was like in his backstory he was probably in the army in the in oh definitely her queen's army like his whole i just love his whole attitude because for like from your perception for 90 percent of the movie they're just a small community who've abandoned Christianity in favor of paganism. Yeah. And that's their only crime. And that's the only thing they've done wrong. And he's just like, yeah, this is, this is God's country and stuff. Like he's so yeah, yeah. Like, mad. Even before he's an asshole. Even before that, like when he go at yeah. like the night, his first night there, he's in the pub and they're kind of ignoring yeah. him and they all just start singing and he just starts slamming down the ashtray. Yeah. And he's like, I'm looking for a missing girl. This is serious business and you're all reveling. Like, he's just... Yeah, uh, yeah. What are you so doing you with s- your shenanigans? There's a missing girl. Like, <laughs> But I suppose the thing is, he's he's a very he's very focused on his task at hand, which you kind of have to respect. Like, it's not... Of course. And he is over there because... Which is kind of, I guess, their plan in the end. And it's his downfall. He's over there because he obviously is still a nice person because he was written to personally about the missing child. So that's, it's, he's yeah, working yeah. off the books kind of. Now I assume people know yeah. where he is and that, like he took the, the police plane, but he's a sergeant, so he can probably do whatever he wants anyway. But yeah. he's going there in his own time, kind of. And I was, I was kind of thinking about, I oh, will get to it later. Um, uh, no, no, say it. No, I do, first of all, I don't think we need to run worry about like getting too far ahead of ourselves and spoiling stuff because Unfortunately, this film is so like culturally significant that it's like psycho. Everybody, even if you've never seen it, everybody knows how it ends because like the poster <laughs> is the wicker man on fire. Yeah, yeah. No, I was thinking about it and it's kind of, it's never said or implied, but the obvious thing to do is for them to like sink his plane out in the bay and just be like, oh, he, he sank out there. <laughs> yeah body must be out in the tide somewhere like it's so easy for them to get away with it is what i was thinking yeah. oh yeah well i figured that yeah and you think that's probably what they that's probably what they did yeah yeah like it's, like he he never set foot on the island like they just, they're, yeah they get the plane a few miles away and sink it and then like oh he crashed yeah. before he ever even made it yeah we saw him go down right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no that's exactly huh? that's what i'd do okay all, all they have to do now is like radio or write or call to the mainland and say um we had search parties out the last two days we saw a plane go down um mm. around this area and we didn't find anybody um do you know who whose plane that was and that's that's yeah, all like yeah. they don't even have to say we saw a police plane they just have to say we saw a plane like yeah exactly it's kind of like a it's actually quite a good plan <laughs> um so j- just to, to talk about the film itself for a minute so so you like you you are a fan of the film yeah 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 because yeah, yeah. it is like it's a film i've always loved i saw it on channel four one night when i was like 15 and i was like this is what this is my favorite movie ever i wouldn't <laughs> say it's my favorite movie ever anymore but for a long period i just loved it oh yeah most people i know love it but it is a film I just feel like certain people could watch this and just think, this is the biggest pile of crap I've ever seen in my life. I know. Like, I, I, I own it on DVD. Like, <laughs> Yeah, same. I know. 
but I haven't watched it for like 10 years, you know, or maybe more, 15 even. I think it's just like certain, depending on your background or maybe like cultural differences, it could just, it's like how a lot of Korean films play to Western audiences where you're just like, what the hell is going on here? (laughs) But yeah, I've always loved it. Um, I've always been a big fan of her anyway, and especially Christopher Lee in classic horror. Another thing I love about it that it's probably something a lot of my favorite horror movies do it that it's a daytime horror yeah that's what i love everything everything happens in the light like there's no jump scares no it's just this like continuous tone that's just strange like i don't know what i'd compare to best and a lot of people might disagree but uh it's very like texas chainsaw massacre you were saying that before yeah that is what was i um before yeah, is it might, when i don't know you, i feel like you've said that to me before uh, oh right sorry i thought you meant like as we were recording like no, no, last no, 20 minutes it's like when did i oh, no. that never, <laughs> right oh yeah in just in other world. conversations yeah, yeah like we watched this in college um remember frank used to do like just film club stuff yeah yeah i think we watched i think i that. brought this um and it was because i was comparing it to texas chance of massacre then maybe but just the yeah. fact that they're both like they're both daytime horror films. They both Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Everybody remembers as being very violent, but it actually isn't. You 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 don't actually see any of the violence really in it. It's all suggested. suggested. Yeah, yeah. But and similar moods where you, as well, like they just they meet weirdo characters early on that you know are weirdos, but you're not really sure how they're going to play into the plot. And they're very similar movies. They actually came out the same year, I think, as well, which is really well, yeah, two different corners of the world making very different but similar types of horror that hadn't been made before. That's bizarre. I didn't realize that. And it's funny because it's a long time since I've seen Chainsaw Massacre and. And you're like, oh, yeah, I kind of forget that it's mostly in daylight and you see everything and it's like, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, it isn't like in the third act, it, like, because it's all set in one day. So it starts in the afternoon, the day oh, progresses. Yeah. There's a, about 10 minutes of the film where it's night and then you're into the next morning and the entire ending of the film is all the next morning. Yeah, because they were trying to make it cheap and it was easier to just use daylight. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah well i, I think i i think it's it's what they wanted as well oh definitely yeah because even all the the it, the final act where she's been held hostage like the bulk of that it starts at that that night but the bulk of it happens in the morning but they're indoors so it would have actually been easier for them to block out the sun and make it night but they met at morning for the scene so yeah with wicker man it's kind of one of those things you and maybe it's an age thing of like because of when it came out and now but there's no like you're a good half hour into it and you're like so is this a is this a murder mystery is it a horror film? you know what i mean you're kind of trying to figure out yeah yeah what is the genre what is the tone and that that's the sort of thing i like about it it's yeah 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 because like it's almost like it's set up is more like an agatha christie yeah yeah <laughs> Like a detective, a sergeant going to an island to find a missing person, like or Sherlock Holmes, even. Yeah, I was I was gonna say it's like a really dark episode of Heartbeat. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't know what Heartbeat is, Google it. Cool. <laughs> I think actually a, a good film that a lot of like 
listeners outside of England would have seen that kind of like is a good collection of all those things we're referencing is uh, Hot Fuzz. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because Hot Fuzz takes a lot of inspiration from... From this. From this and then from other works similar, like the the British mystery TV miniseries or whatever. The actor who plays Howie... who, who's a great name his name his name is edward woodward yeah i know <laughs> uh isn't he in he's in hot fuzz isn't he oh he is he's the like the, the mayor or something isn't he he's one yeah he's one of the villagers he's, he's one of the, on the council the, or whatever yeah yeah he's one of the elders i didn't even think of that that's so funny well hot fuzz, it's fair because everybody like talks for how hot fuzz is an homage to like american action cop movies <laughs> And it is that, but like so much of it is the Wicker Man. It's like Point Break and the Wicker Man put together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Bad Boys. And Bad Boys. But I feel like Sean, or Sean, Simon Pegg's character from Hot Fuzz would, wouldn't have, he'd have survived the Wicker Man. He's a dickhead in that, but he's a different, he's a different type of dickhead. Yeah, but he, he would have punched a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Where? Well, exactly. Uh, sorry, Sergeant Henry is just like this. This is disgraceful. I can't behave this way. Yeah. Now you reminded me because he said he would have punched a bitch. Uh, we have not yeah. mentioned yet. We're twenty minutes in, and I am shocked. Neither of us have even joked about it. This film was also remade in America in two thousand and six with Nicolas Cage. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't mention that. I, I was fully expecting that uh, you'd make a joke at the start of this, where you watched the wrong film and you watched the Nicolas Cage one. I fully actually forgot that. forgot to make that joke. It was, <laughs> I had it on my to do list, and I forgot about it. <laughs> Have you actually it's seen the Nicolas week. Cage remake? No, I haven't. No, uh, yeah, my. Uh, I was even going to do the whole, like, all I know is the whole bees thing. And I was just going to start up when you'd say, and this week we're doing the Wicker Man. And I was just going to go, the bees, the bees. <laughs> and you'd be like, wait, you know what? I haven't seen the film in full. I've just seen scenes from it. But I didn't notice, but that bee scene, the most famous scene from the Nick Cage version, I don't think that's even in the film. I think that's a deleted scene. I've heard that, yeah. That's like... <laughs> Which is so, like, the most famous scene from your movie isn't in the movie. I don't know if that, like... Like, obviously, it's such a bad scene, they cut it out, but the fact that it's still more recognisable than the movie itself is pretty good. I kind of want to watch it now. <laughs> Just for I that reason. Do. I remember seeing an interview with Nick Cage, like, promoting that film, and he was talking about, like, one of the reasons he made that film is because, so the Wicker Man, so Nicolas Cage was very good friends with Joey Ramone, frontman of oh, Ramones, yeah. and I think Nicolas Cage was, like, there when he died maybe as in like he was in hospital nick cage like went to see him he wanted to talk to oh. nicholas cages yeah like they were very close and uh, and the wicker man was joy ramon's favorite movie and so nick cage yeah. made the remake for for joy and i just think that's so fucking funny because like so your way to honor your best friend is to remake his favorite movie it seemed like it'd be the opposite that you would try and stop a remake from happening because, like, most people don't like remakes, yeah. but especially of their favorite movie. It's a very weird way to honor your friend. Yeah, I'm going to butcher the movie for, like, you loved. Yeah, like especially with Nicolas Cage's money, like I'd pay for like a 
Blu-ray cleanup of the original or something and a yeah, new release. Yeah, like, do you know, know what happened? I mean? There's like loads of like lost footage from it to like try and like get the definitive version made. Yeah, and get all the like the original film reel cleaned up and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, take yeah, it all the scratches and all that kind of shit and do a remaster of it. And so, you know, that's. <laughs> but now I'm going to turn yeah. it into a comedy and like try and ruin its legacy. Uh, but even even from my understanding, having not seen the Nicolas Cage one, is the idea that so the whole thing is he's the sacrifice for the for the for the for the harvest, mm. but they torture him first. <laughs> yeah. It seems to be that they go that route, like, yeah, because they fucking put a beehive on his head or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. Where, obviously, in the original, it's... I I think I think where the message is, in the original, he's just psychologically tortured so much, uh, especially in the last, like, say, 10 minutes before it... That, uh... But And that's why you're dealing with just two different classes of filmmakers and writers, because his torture in the original is also like it is psychological torture but they're doing it to give him an out it's like we're going to tempt him yeah like the idea of like putting willow in front of him and her coming on to him that is psychological torture for him but also if he is seduced by her and has sex with her he's not going to die then he yeah they're almost they're testing him to like see is he is he a good sacrifice so i don't think it's so much about torture as much as it's a, yeah. it's part of their practice it's like we need to like they see almost like we're giving him a chance to save himself to become one of us kind of and if he doesn't then he's worthy of he's a worthy sacrifice yeah yeah because he's so pure i'm not saying stuff. that makes what they're, what they're doing right but <laughs> it's their reasoning whereas in the nicholas cage one there's none of that yeah like but even the whole idea that he he has to go to the final place willingly so they but they kind of trick him into going there yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. can't drag him but that's there. like that's that's what all fucking religions do they find like some roundabout way to make something yeah right like you have like those um in certain muslim countries where like they, they realize the reading of the bible is that you know sex before marriage is wrong so like they have brothels where you can you marry the prostitute, then have sex with her, and then get the marriage annulled on the same. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like I remember like Christopher Hitchens had a great point about it in one of his books. It's like, well, if God exists, do you think he'll appreciate you tricking him? Of you like finding a loophole yeah. in his teachings? <laughs> it's like you're going to be the first to to go to the fiery pits of hell for trying to get one up on God. Yeah, and like even that annulling, if not even like divorcing. So basically, annulling means it never happened. So you know, it's a uh, yeah. Well, that maybe what I was saying annulling. I, I no, yeah, it could have been it could have been divorced either. But but either way, it's like I don't think God would appreciate being tricked in the same way. Like the pagan god, I don't think would yeah. a pagan god especially wouldn't appreciate being tricked. No, did you did you reach a point, especially as a teenager, seeing this movie where say you're you're watching all these women dance around naked in the fields and they're singing all the songs and they're all about nature and stuff. You're like, maybe I'll go pagan. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you knew me when I, when I had like dyed black hair and eyeliner. (laughs) When I was a wee Wiccan. (laughs) 
<laughs> I was never Wiccan, but like I definitely saw the uh, upside of attracting those types. Yeah, um, free spirits. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. It it did look like a a, a fun way to live. Yeah, yeah, more a more interesting way. Um, and so you gotta kill a few people, but it's as a whole community. It's not like, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's a lot less guilt. And especially now, well, actually, that's something worth mentioning. Were you as a as a young man? Were you as heartbroken as I was to learn that all of uh, what's her name, Brit Eklund, that all of her nude scenes weren't actually her? Um, is that Willow? Oh yeah, Brit Eklund. Willow. Really? Yeah. I didn't know this. That's first I've heard this. She was pre. Well, no, don't worry. It's only. It's mostly only the bottom for the dance scene. All the wide shots of her dancing. So her 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 booty essentially that's a apparently a a stripper from glasgow there's conflicting reports (laughs) but she was pregnant at the time so she didn't want any shots from the waist down and apparently the director when she was gone he just brought some stripper from glasgow in to shoot the wide shots and brit was very angry about (laughs) it for years she wouldn't sign she wouldn't sign any photos because like it wasn't actually her that's really funny (laughs) <laughs> it's like will you sign this photo of it this naked photo of you it's like no that's not me <laughs> but it's really funny there's conflicting reports too apparently her voice was dubbed she swears it was and the editor yeah. says he never dubbed it there is her voice in it and the director is unsure and i'm really confused by how do none of you know how can you not just hear it and tell if it's her or not but there seems to be conflicting <laughs> reports on whether they dubbed her voice it's like, but like, surely you just like know her. You worked with her. Do you not just know what she sounds like? That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, and I tried looking into it to find a definitive answer, and there doesn't seem to be one. There seems to be like an argument about whether they dubbed her in the end or not. Oh yeah. And it's 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 probably because I imagine the way like most of the dialogue is clearly um, what's it eighty word, as in they. They filmed on yeah. Windy Island, and then they did they redid their audio like in a studio recording uh, setting. Yeah, yeah, which is fair enough. So I get, I get how you might be confused by that. But I, I'm assuming how where the confusion arises from is they dubbed that that's not her singing. Oh, did they had yeah, somebody else do that, and then maybe they're unsure did they use that same person for the rest of it? Because she, she, ins- she sang on the day of recording, and I think that's what, why she was angry that she. Her version of the song was better, but they used a dub, but then it's unclear if they used a dub yeah. for the other stuff. It's just really weird that there's no uh-huh. definitive answer on that. Yeah. A funny thing as well, because I was just looking up random trivia and Willow, because uh, she, you know, she, she was quite a successful actress. She was in one of the, she was a Bond girl. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's a Swedish model. Of course, she was a Swedish model. Look at her. She's yeah. beautiful. Oh, she's in The Man with the Golden Gun. That's yeah, yeah. So, have you heard about how Rod Stewart tried to uh, block this film's release? <laughs> no, <laughs> he was going out with her at the time. She'd all they had already shot the film because this film took a long time to shoot, and it was like three years later before it was released. And yeah. he was then he was her then boyfriend, and he heard that she had a nude scene in it. So he tried to he campaigned to get it banned, like that it was like. Yeah promoting deviant behavior and all this like he he went on like almost a religious like a howie like religious crusade against it even though this the man who had his most famous song was like do you think i'm sexy (laughs) (laughs) 
But he just didn't want anybody to see his girlfriend in the, in the nip. And like one of his breakout songs, like Maggie May, is about losing your virginity as a schoolboy. Yeah, right. yeah. His whole thing is he's a sex symbol and he's like... Oh. Yeah, yeah. Rod Stewart just seems like the biggest dickhead on the planet. Yeah. Have you ever heard that story about when he, about him realising he was overcharged for dinner? No. <laughs> <laughs> this famous story that he went, he went out with dinner for friends once and he was overcharged by like £17 or something. And he'd already been home and he looked at the receipt, at the bill or whatever, and realised it and drove back to the restaurant and flew into a rage. <laughs> and he's like, Rod fucking Stewart, like one of the most successful, like richest musicians in the UK. And he drove all the way back over. And it was like, it was something like 17 pounds or something yeah, like yeah. that. He was, he was charged for like a, a, a starters that he didn't have. Yeah. With the, <laughs> he just seems like such a group cult. meal or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like he probably spent like 500 pounds. Yeah, <laughs> but he saw that there was he spent five hundred and seventeen, and he probably didn't leave a tip like it was something to begin with. <laughs> yeah, that's really. I remember seeing it on a like <laughs> it was on like some like one of those Sky One documentaries about like the <laughs> the UK's cheapest celebrities <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. But I just love the idea of him campaigning against the film because he didn't want anybody to see his girlfriend, his girlfriend's boobs. And there was a lot of controversy over this movie, wasn't there? Because it was unchristian and all that kind of stuff. Or was that just because of his push? Like, was there? Well, I'd say it helped, but no, I I think there would have been anyway because there always is. Yeah, there always is a push against any any film like this for being anti-Christian, even though the bad guys are the ones being anti-Christian. Yeah, because like... It reminds me, it's like a... Go on, sorry. Sorry, the, like the message of the whole film is that they're evil and they're bad and like that their religion essentially doesn't work and that they're just deranged with this idea. It's... Yeah, like, so we haven't mentioned Christopher Lee's character much, uh, but he meets with Howie in it and kind of tells him about the history of the island. And then at the end, when, like, it's revealed that Howie is going to be sacrificed, he says, like, that the the reason your crops have failed is because that this island isn't isn't in good condition for the, the weather has changed and it's just not good conditions for these crops. And he implies that Christopher Lee knows this and that they're going to, like, it's made explicitly clear that this is not yeah. going to work. The supernatural doesn't exist in this world. This is a crazy cult. Yeah. <laughs> so even though his character seems like a dickhead, the sergeant, I mean, um, it's made clear that he's the, the only good good guy in this film. Yeah. yeah. So, like, the, the, the idea that it's controversial because... Well, but I guess like that because, like you said earlier, as a young man watching it, you were like, "Oh, being pagan looks fun." <laughs> they just didn't want people to be taken by uh, the sex, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But it's like um, here in Ireland, isn't it? Like Life of Brian, the Monty Python movie was banned for a very long time by, but mm. essentially the Catholic Church and stuff. And the reason being because they thought it was like 
slagging religion, but the whole story of it is the fact that he isn't Jesus. And like the yeah, yeah. so they're kind of missing the point of the film. And it was obviously the same with Wicker Man. I imagine it was probably banned here for a long time. Yeah. Another another good example is Iron Maiden, the British heavy metal band. Yeah. Their song Number of the Beast was banned. Oh because yeah. it, prom- it promoted uh, it promoted Satanism. Yeah. But like, and it's literally, it's just purely people saw, oh, this song is called Number of the Beast, therefore it's satanic. The lyrics of that song, that that song is about a man who witnesses a satanic sacrifice and has to do something about it. Like the lyrics are, there's even the line, this can't go on, I must inform the law. It's about a guy, it's about like a Howie like character fighting against Satanists. And in other words, The Exorcist, The Exorcist was banned because of, of its satanic connection. The act, like... The Catholic Church is painted in such a good light in The Exorcist. Yeah. Like, they're the heroes of the film. And all the stuff they mention in the film are stuff that the church actually believes. So it's like, well, where's the actual issue? Yeah, where's the problem? And it It's a really accurate film to what you believe. Yeah. And it's portraying that on screen. But you want to ban it. Where where I always think is though like where it always comes down to is it comes down to a collection of People who are very conservative, who have really, really vivid imaginations about what these things are, (laughs) and they haven't seen them, they don't know what they are about, and they just assume the worst. So they just assume like it's about really horrible things, and it'll promote uh, homosexual sex and all these kind of things that they're really against. Uh, You know, like like a really it just says so much more about what they think. Yeah, it's like the QAnon the QAnon stuff where they're assuming everybody's a pedophile and you're like, you're so hyper-focused on people being pedophiles. Mm. It makes me wonder what you're actually doing. Yeah. Like, again, it's back to, like, I I remember years ago working in a supermarket and there was a guy I went to school with who was, like, really camp and he worked in the supermarket. We were, like, whatever, our first job. And we were late one night, there's like a pile of us, like about 20 of us, and we were doing all like restocking shelves after the shop had closed. And he walked down the aisle and he was like, hey Shane, how's it going? I was like, oh, hey man. And then like there's a bunch of lads who were a few years older than us. They were like 18, 19. And they were like, Jesus man, I'd watch my arse around him. And they're that real kind of like, those guys who are like obsessed with gay sex to the point where you're like, Mm. are you gay then like you know like the the, the, the guys who were like seem to be genuinely terrified that someone might want to have gay sex with them and then like and like like it keeps them awake at night yeah it's a total self-report it's so weird it's one of those things i've never understood and they're the sort of people who like beat the shit out of gay people and stuff like it's i've never understood it and like they're so terrified of that some like a, a man will want to have sex with them, and and I, I actually turned around to him like at the time, and I was like, "What are you afraid of? You're literally twice the size of this guy." It's like, "Are you afraid he's going to hurt your bum or something?" Like, I, and he was just like, "Oh, you're a fag too," you know. This <laughs> and I was like, oh, "Okay, whatever." The the one guy, sort of, that I would have been friends with at a very young age, like before, like the like very early teens. 
No, he wasn't like that. He wasn't like, oh, watch your bum around that guy. But he was kind of like, he was the one who would suggest that, oh, this guy is into that, so he might be gay. Yeah. And he was more like a bit bitchy in like spreading rumors almost. But of all the people I grew up with, he's the only one that eventually came out as being gay. And now he's real like, he has kind of like a persecution complex now. But like as teens, like he was the guy who gave people a hard time that weren't even gay, like trying to out (laughs) people. Yeah, yeah. But it was clearly just because of his own insecurities. He never got a hard time. So he never got bullied for being gay or anything, but he obviously felt uncomfortable about it. So he made sure to bully everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Which I just found it really funny that like, I don't know anybody. Well, I'm sure I I probably do know people that uh, got a hard time for being gay. I just didn't know they were getting a hard time. But of what I was aware of, nobody was other than people he went after so oh, that's really oh, i just found that kind of terrible funny. yeah it's funny and terrible at the same time i remember we had a teacher who was like that and i remember yeah he was he really was like super homophobic and things like that. He, he's i remember i was sitting up at the start of class one day i can't remember what the conversation was but it was something like you know there was a big football match on that night and uh and he said something like, oh, I won't give you too much homework tonight because you'll be all watching the match. And I was like sitting at the very front and I was like, oh, I won't be watching the match. And he was just like, why won't you be watching the match? And I was just like, oh, I'm not into it. And and then uh, and then he went, and it was the funniest thing ever. He goes, uh, oh, there's, there's some dirt in your nails there. And I like did the typical thing. I looked at my nails like, it's really hard to describe in audio, but I looked at my nails like a normal person would look at their nails and yeah. like where you kind of make an open fist and look at your nail uh, facing you. And he was like, oh, good thing, because if you'd uh, looked at your nails the other way, I'd be really worried about you. And I was like, what do you mean? And he put his hand out like, you know, like a woman would look at a ring on her finger. Oh, I didn't even think that that's where it was going. That's And of course, the whole right. class laughed and stuff. And I was like. So were you just trying to call me out as gay in front of all the whole class? Because they didn't so want to watch a football match. If you looked at them the wrong way, if you looked at them the wrong way, he'd have called you out. But I, so I said That's to him, oh, what if I had, so I said, what if I had looked at them that way? What have you done? And he'd be like, and he made some kind of passing joke of like, uh, you know, I'd have gotten out of this classroom quicker than you, or, you know, whatever he made. Basically, he suggested he'd run away. Like, uh, Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and he was just a big jock of a guy and he was, you know. And He sounded like the guy I talked about earlier that I had to do rugby for. Yeah. <laughs> so as he wouldn't bully me. And, uh, and then I remember years later, we were on a, a school ski trip. We went on and uh, he was wearing this like purple onesie, like Ned Flanders being like, it's like I'm wearing nothing at all. And I, and I, I was, I, I was slagging him. I was like, that, uh, that onesie's pretty, uh, feminine isn't it and he fucking whacked me on the arm with his ski pole oh wow like he was so mad he, he was so mad at me like and that's what that's what's so telling about those people like you give it back to them one bit like they'd give it to you and yeah, they yeah. fucking are sent into a rage then you know that they're yeah. they've been living with some shit and that's why they're angry yeah like he was like so the difference being he was trying to call it a 13 year old boy in front of all his peers for being gay for not watching a football match and then <laughs> when i was 17 slagging him back he just hit me with a stick like i was <laughs> Which sounds even more childish. I know. He hit me with a stick because I slagged him. For wearing a purple jumpsuit. Like, 
when people act like that, it hasn't changed one bit, and it doesn't matter what age you are. When people yeah. like go so out of their way to try and like, especially when they're trying to score man points, or like I'm a yeah. man because I eat steak for breakfast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's not really manly. Like when I think of like it's really being lame. a man, it's about like standing up for yourself, doing hard work, like yeah, being yeah. a good father, yeah. taking care of your family. If you want man credit for eating something you're a pussy if you want man credit for the car you drive you're a pussy like there's no like that's not yeah yeah, i hate that shit i've seen a lot of that recently they're men because they fucking drive diesel cars it's like but you haven't done anything it's like you purchased an item like that is that does not make you a man why not um... at least go and fucking win a bar fight or something i'm not saying that (laughs) people should do that that's pretty toxic no but like there should be something more in the sort of the stereotype of a man is like clint eastwood yeah clint eastwood didn't fucking just go on about how he ate steak for breakfast no he was a badass badass that's yeah but anyway yeah so we were i was kind of going with the whole thing is like it's back to like we talk about it all the time where it's like the the guy who's like the head of some churches always always ends up being found like in some motel with like a 17 year old red boy or so you know yeah guy who's the big anti-gay preacher it's always the same way and i think that's probably where a lot of those censorship people come from with movies like this they don't understand the nuances or the actual message of the movie and they just see like that's it's it's anti-christian like you said earlier, a lot of the time it's just what they've imagined. Because like I, I, I remember yeah. seeing video of what, what, just the Life of Brian thing uh, when they were on like some British late night show having a debate. It was all the Monty Python guys oh, having yeah. a debate with some Catholic priest. And one of the questions the audience put to them is like, uh, it was like the archbishop or whatever and the woman's like so when you saw the film and then he stops her oh i just want to be clear i have not and i will never see this film yeah and then the crowd just turned on him because it was clear well also you're here you're here on a live debate complaining about this film and you're making it absolutely clear you refuse to see it because of how offensive it is how do you know it's offensive yeah. and he just ref- he wouldn't talk about that it's like yeah this is you. This is all you. You're you're the one imagining all this offensive shit. Yeah. Though though also with that in mind, um the life of Brian just likes the shit out of all religion. Um, <laughs> when oh, you yeah. <laughs> but, but, sorry, but, point. but I think like even though even though the life of Brian like Brian isn't meant to be Jesus, it still clearly is making fun of Jesus. So like like <laughs> Yeah, and then this. Well, do you notice there? T- it takes a lot of piss out of the church because there's all the scenes where like he loses one of his his sandals, and a guy picks up a sandal. And he's like, "I have a sandal. We are the sandal people." And he's, then later on, there's like fifty of them, and they're like, "We brought our left sandal. <laughs> what they wanted us to have." And so, you know, there's all that. Kind of, and there's a couple of them, there's someone that like to have a scarf, and then they're like trying to fight each other. It's like, "No, we're the sandal followers." <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah which is just like all religion so have we gotten to the point where we need to put ourselves into this scenario i think so yeah yeah. it's uh okay so uh myself and yourself we bought an island we started a cult and we want to lure somebody over to sacrifice (laughs) 
Well, I mean, realistically, how how else are we going to cover this scenario? I was wondering what your angle was going to be, but I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> I was like, we're, we're two coppers in a seaplane, and then <laughs> pointed because we're not conservative Christian virgins, so we just have a big party. You know, I was just trying to think, like, what way do because um, <laughs> if, if we put ourselves as how we like like let's say it's now in 2021 we do it we get there and you're like well i'm married and i have a kid so i'll just drink with you all and have good crack and i'm like well i'm single so i'm I, i'm up for anything and that's it that like we'd have a gr- great time so uh there's not much to talk about with that yeah, exactly. That's where I was. I was trying to think of the angle the other day, and my, my mind what didn't go to. We've bought an island and started a cult. <laughs> so what you're saying is, and I, I feel we need to give Christopher Lee a bit more credit for this movie, but uh, we haven't talked about him a lot at all. I know. Yeah. Um, he's great in this, and apparently he did it for free, and then paid for all his own promotional tour and shit. Like what a badass! It's amazing, yeah, because he's so into it. Because he he clearly understood and got the whole tone and point of the whole thing and just loved it. Like, And just to go back to what we were talking about before about like people like wanting to be like claiming manhood because the stake, Christopher Lee is the most manliest fucker who has ever, like that man hunted Nazis. Yeah. He's a proper badass. Yeah. Real and you look at him in this film and he, he's, in drag dancing around in a wig like having the like he's up for anything in his films and that's like a mark of somebody who who, he's not insecure in the slightest he'll do whatever yeah that makes me think of it it was a bit of a trend a couple of years ago on stuff like instagram and facebook and stuff and it's now it's just become the norm but i always had way more respect for like big beardy tattooed guy who dresses up as a princess with his daughter for Halloween or you know <laughs> I always have so much more respect for those guys than say a guy yeah. who insists his son has to play football because men play football and if you don't play football you're a pussy you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, just have yeah. so much more respect for the guy who'll have a tea party with his three year old girl but, but that's like when people are that comfortable it's like I remember going way off topic I remember um, back back in the uh, Attitude era of like WWF. Yeah, there was a storyline of. Can you remember? I know you weren't like a wrestling fan, but you probably remember like Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle. Vaguely, yeah, I know Kurt Angle. Or do you? Yeah, yeah. go on, honey. There were two. Like there were two. Brock Lesnar went on to be like three-time UFC champion. Kurt Angle won an Olympic gold medal with a broken neck. <laughs> Yeah. To, like complete badasses they had this story they when they were in wwf they had a feud where they were trying to one-up each other so they'd be like trying to like do more push-ups than the other and all this stuff everything they'd done was just trying to be more of a man than the other and then there were there was one night where they were and it was improvised they're in the ring and brock lesnar just grabbed kurt angle and just gave him a massive kiss on the lips <laughs> thinking try and one up that and then Kurt Angle goes in for a hug and then grabs Brock Lesnar's ass <laughs> and then runs away because that was more outrageous or whatever That's really funny. and it was just really funny because they were just trying to make each other feel 
as uncomfortable as possible, but were okay with making themselves feel uncomfortable because it was just funny. That's hilarious. And the reason they could do that, but but like the people we were talking about earlier, like the but you the fucking your teacher. Yeah. yeah. He, if he saw people do that, it's like, oh well they're that's just too gay. Be, they'd be just like so afraid of that kind of humor. Oh, that's terrifying to him. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really but if you're just doing it to get a laugh out, out of your body. Yeah, yeah. Um Sorry, that was complete complete tangent, but but you know what I mean. It's just like being that comfortable with it because yeah. you have nothing to prove. Um, but also, yeah, I was going to say that with Chris Lee's costume at the end, it's so amazing. I love that. He's he's just like, and it's so different to any of the other characters because people have like animal heads and things like that. Yeah, um, and it's the way he's dancing. Like he's so into it, the way he's dancing and all. He he also looks like a different person. Just just in the long wig i guess because you're so used to seeing him yeah in roles because he made like 300 movies <laughs> but but it's kind of one of those things where like i part of me thought i wonder did he just come out of his trailer one morning and looking at that he's like this is my costume for the festival scenes and the director went okay yeah yeah that's definitely <laughs> yeah. That's camera roll camera <laughs> i imagine that's that's quite possible <laughs> there's a for people who don't know how much of a badass Christopher Lee was, there's a podcast called Shit, I'm blanking on the name. Give me a second. Oh damn, what's that one? It's the Weekly Planet guys are on it quite a bit. The uh, we got this coverage covered. No. no, it's um, it's the one where every episode it's three hosts and every episode one of them takes a topic and writes a report on it. Oh, I haven't listened. And tells the other. I can't remember what it's called though. Oh, I'm so. That's so bad. I'm just. Bl- I'm just blanking on the name. You'll think of it in a minute. <laughs> I'll edit it in. Uh, but but they there's a, they do a really good episode where one of them because they draw they have like two hundred topics in a hat and they draw a topic three topics a month and one of them does a report on it. And Christopher <sighs> Lee came up, so they just it's a really good episode. I'm sure there's other great podcasts about Christopher Lee, but that that's just a very entertaining one. Oh, I must uh, listen. To uh, he's such a badass i know that i know. also love that story sorry we're probably about to say tell the same story go on you i think so but you go on so um there's one is oh because there's one about him as a, a as a kid he witnessed the last ever live is this guillotine or hanging i can't remember he was in it he was a child in paris and he was at whatever i think it was the last must be the last public hanging because guillotine sounds way too, but it was a public. Execution. Also, well, no, maybe not anyway. because the last hanging in Ireland was in like the sixties. Yeah, so. so it was a public execution anyway, and he was at it as a kid. And it's just one of these things. He's like, he's just one of those people who just he's far, he Forrest Gumped his way through the world. Like he just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was just around for everything, and then even like later in his life, recorded like heavy metal albums. Yeah, and like as an old man. Like he record he recorded like a Christmas heavy metal album at like ninety two. <laughs> no, what what I was going to mention was it's it's on the behind the scenes of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh, it's the scene where so where he dies, he gets stabbed in the back in the film, and and they have it. it it's on the making of, 
of Peter Jackson giving him direction on like and so like you get the knife in the back and you scream and he stops him he's just like "Ah, I'm sorry but when you stab a man in the back uh, he doesn't scream he uh, can't actually breathe so it's usually like he lets out a silent scream because he's struggling for air and you're like oh he knows this because he stabbed a Nazi in the back (laughs) (laughs) he's seen a man die from this and that's how he knows and then that's how it's portrayed in the film. Yeah, that's how he does his death. It, uh, it's brilliant. He's such a badass. And he's so good in this because you, you can't figure him out at the start, like, at all. He's just, he's he comes across real proper and almost like speaking the same language as the sergeant. And then, and then the sergeant exhumes the girl's body and they find the, the hair in the coffin and he comes and throws mm. it in and, and like he's he's in a kilt the hair is in the animal the hair not yeah. a, a strand of hair Just. and then he's uh, when he goes up to um, Chris Drillisag um, when he goes up to his house then he's having like this private little party with the teacher where they're just like gonna fuck and they're just getting drunk and playing piano oh. and he's, he's he's suddenly a very different character like, and, and then yeah, uh, yeah. And then he reverts back to again to this kind of logical societal man uh, after he's the the mad long haired woman and stuff. And it's just he just goes back and forth between these different trails. Yeah, he's yeah. so good in it. And like that tr- transition is so quick because when Howie escapes the first time, Christopher Lee's in drag, and then he comes out the other side, and Christopher Lee's just waiting for him in a suit again. Yeah, like he just got like it the change happens so quickly yeah or he the suit on underneath the dress or whatever well he probably did but but how it's presented the difference is just sorry just to go back the uh, podcast i couldn't remember the name of is do go on oh of course they talk about it every week on weekly planet yeah it's a really good podcast in general yeah Uh, it's a really good setup i'm so jealous that they thought of that setup because it's very clever because it's three hosts. Only one has to do the report yeah. an episode. So it's like you only have to do the, 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 the bulk of the work is only done by one person every three weeks. Yeah, it's genius. So smart. It's such a good idea. Yeah. And um, the, uh, I, th- I think the, the best thing at the very end of this movie is the final song number. They're all so happy. <laughs> And they all just give it their best, like swinging their arms. It's just contrasts like a man screaming me burned alive so well. Like I think it's the best way it's done. Um, So we've bought an island and we started a cult. Uh, Yeah, we started the Acolytes of Apocalypse. Not really a pagan cult. We're just uh, what started as a joke biker gang. (laughs) Club. Club. Uh, Sorry, yeah. Uh, Motorcycle enthusiasts that... I think no member actually owns a motorcycle, but you can still be enthusiastic about them. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's fit yeah, it's fitting that we'd start a cult. Um so we're both in the Christopher Lee role. So uh we drag up for but in a, like an oversized dress, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how this scenario works with us being the cult leaders who are killing an innocent man, but I just feel like it's the only way we could go, and it's hol- we're, we're in the Halloween season. We can, uh, we can treehouse of horrors. This, 
We could be the bad guys. Um, I love the idea that it's like a similar costume to him, except it's like eight or nine feet tall. That's brilliant. Um, <laughs> you know, because that's even more terrifying. Yeah. Okay, so to put ourselves into Howie's shoes just for a minute. Yeah. At what point, if if you were him, and so let's say we 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 have his motivation. So in this scenario, we are men of God or whatever the fuck. Do you think you would still be suspicious that something bad was going to happen far earlier than he was? Um, no, because like, I the whole where they get him is they intended for him. Uh, it's it's a bit of a kind of a plot hole, but also it, they get away with it. Is that they intend for him to take the punch costume? And yeah, and because yeah. that's the whole ritual of punch. Punch is the sacrifice. He gets to be king for a day, and then he's the sacrifice. Like yeah. that's literally how that's the lore. Like that's how it is. And uh, yeah, and that is a bit yeah hard to swallow. That so for people who haven't seen it, probably not a lot of people, but how he takes the costume of one of the revelers at the end and then it's revealed that well that was kind of their plan anyway yeah yeah but i suppose they're they're trying very hard to push him to that point because they keep they're, mm. they're constantly telling him from the very beginning you wouldn't like our festival thing you should leave before our our celebration yeah so they're constantly goading him well, that's what, where I, yeah. what i was getting at with like yeah he's essentially told you don't want to be here on this day yeah like everyone's and i feel like if i was him and people kept saying that to me i'd be like okay i'm getting the f- if, if i have to swim back to the mainland yeah. i'm getting the fuck out of here because clearly they have bad plans for me yeah i think with the stuff with him getting into the punch costume it's hard to swallow but i feel like that's more of a like the joker in the dark night where that's just one of their plan that's just the plan that happened to unfold but they have a bunch of plans like they're they're so well prepared for all the decisions he could make yeah i suppose even if he just followed them to the beach was kind of the main plan really yeah they'd have some other contrived way to get him into that costume or whatever this is just the the plan that happened to unfold the way it did like they're prepared for any sort of or maybe i'm just looking for excuses to, to allow no no I get, I get what you're saying yeah like their their plan was always to get him to the beach to see um rowan the missing girl but how specifically how he got there wasn't uh wasn't necessarily yeah what they planned it's it was more it's more poetic i suppose that, that he took the punch costume you know what i mean that's the whole thing. yeah and uh but i kind of think yeah, I'd be suspicious of that a bit more. Because my instinct as a policeman at that stage, like he's saying, would be to... Because in his eyes, he's seen enough. He's seen enough of unchristian behavior and the children are being yeah. mistreated in school of how they're being taught and all that kind of stuff. Because they're being taught uh, procreation at an early age. Yeah, exactly. You're giving sex education to children? This is disgraceful. <laughs> and, and he knows... Can I stop you for a second? Yeah. Sorry, just because this is crazy. But you know the kid who... Uh, the main kid he talks to in that scene when he goes into the classroom? Yeah. That kid... So they're all meant to be 12. That child yeah. is actually 21. Oh, like the actor at the time. The actor's 21, yeah. That's crazy. 
Yeah, sorry, I just felt the need to mention that because I don't know how the fuck a 21-year-old looks like a 12-year-old, but anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> I totally lost my train of thought there. So, like, yeah, it, sorry, in his eyes, he's seen enough crime and debauchery and stuff and enough mm. evidence by the fact that there is a cover-up that there's enough reason for him to get off that island and get back up and come back with as many other policemen as he can. Yeah, he, he's got enough, like, probable cause to actually bring an entire force to the island. But I suppose where it works is by the time he reaches that conclusion is where he starts putting together that he thinks they're going to sacrifice Rowan. So then he's on a mission to save her before they do. So he can't, yeah, he yeah, can't he leave. Can't, yeah. He can't leave. Uh, well, he can't leave anyway, in case yeah. people haven't seen it. They... They have um, sabotaged his plane. What did they do to his boat? They just like sabotaged the engine. Yeah, it just wouldn't, it start, just wouldn't start from. Yeah. And and when that happens, like he's brought out to the plane, can't start. The boat comes back for him, and your man's like, "Oh well, I saw nothing." They're still acting like innocent, <laughs> even though he knows that. Well, clearly, and that's what that's where the fear kind of comes from in this film, where you're like, everybody's still acting like nice to him. But they all know, he knows, and they know that they're doing this shit. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, no, I think, yeah, I think that's the kind of difference is, all the, but like you were saying at the beginning, which is that uh, Willow's trying to seduce him, and they're, tr- they're constantly trying to give him outs, a way and out, but, but are they? Because they sabotage his plane that he can't leave and things like that. But, well, they're, they're giving him an out to, to kind of be one of them yeah it's not yeah. an out to get away from this situation it's like prove yourself as one of us yeah or become a sacrifice there's no there's no option yeah. c like it's a or b and yeah i suppose yeah. and um but it's yeah he's constantly given it and he's constantly told you don't want to be here and he stays but but i suppose that kind of leads into human nature as well that like if you're told you can't do something you kind of you kind of want to walk on the grass when there's a sign that says don't walk on grass you know it's yeah well yeah i guess yeah by saying you don't want to be here they're actually giving him another reason to stay yeah (laughs) but i think like the offering of willow is the ultimate like you can literally have sex with this beautiful Swedish woman. Yeah. And on top of it, you won't be burnt to death in a giant effigy. You know, win-win. <laughs> but but here, here's the thing, like thinking about like putting ourselves in that scenario. So like, I wouldn't call myself an atheist. I've said this before. I don't collect stamps and there's no name for a person who doesn't collect stamps. Therefore, I, I treat religion the same. I don't feel like I have to put a name on myself for not believing yeah. in God. But also, he, uh, Howie's character, so let's assume he isn't even religious. He's also engaged to be married. So I probably, I wouldn't be having sex with anybody on that island either. If I was engaged to somebody, I'm not going to be fucking around. Is he? I didn't remember that. Yeah, yeah. He says he's, he says he's engaged to be, to be wed. Oh, he does. Yeah. I forgot about that. So even if you ignore the religious implications of his character, if he's just a decent person who, because like (laughs) yeah if you're engaged to be married and you're having sex with random pagan girls you're probably a scumbag (laughs) 
<laughs> so so even ignoring that like yeah you probably would wind up in his the only difference is he's a he's a virgin so uh yeah, yeah. it'd have to be like 15 year old johnny that they'd be sacrificing <laughs> for that to... <laughs> so we've invited a couple bunch of incels to our island um, <laughs> we catfished a bunch we pretended to be like who's the big like twitch streamers amaranth or whoever we like catfished a bunch of incels pretending to yeah oh oh remember remember like the fire festival yes <gasps> so we set up a fire festival and we're gonna have a bunch of like only fans and Twitch streamers <laughs> are going to fans. <laughs> so, so we get all their like simps to the island. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we have like a couple of thousand sacrifices. This is going to yeah. get us some good crops. Um, it's probably a bit fair. I'm assuming we're trying to grow like really good weed or something. Or or just like you're trying to get your zucchinis to be bigger than they were last harvest. <laughs> That's it. It's just that simple. It's, it's not even that we we had it. You had a bad harvest. It's just like I can do better. We can we can make them bigger. <laughs> I'm trying to grow a giant pumpkin for a competition for the harvest festival. Though <laughs> yeah. so actually, you know what? Looking at this, like into a like soil nutrition and stuff. If you if you sacrificed a thousand people in a field. And then came back, like, and then maybe threw a small bit of topsoil over it or a bunch of, like, dead leaves and then let it all rot down. If you came back, like, five, six years later, that would be really good soil uh, because, like, like, like you buy stuff, it's called blood, fish, and bone, and it's essentially, it's, like, runoff from slaughterhouses that's uh, ground up and dried, and it's really good soil conditioner and stuff like that, like all the minerals. Because it's right. essentially like, because what is, what are blood and bones are but minerals, you know what I mean? It's, um, exactly. So, yeah. uh, we probably need to make it easier, have a wood chipper to just get it to break down quicker or something, you know, maybe, um, <laughs> on the island. And, uh, yeah, we build, we make human mulch for growing our crops in. That'd be pretty good. We could probably sell it too, start a business. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> I love that our, our version of the Wicker Man is so much more sadistic than the film itself. It's like, well, we're starting up a fire festival and sacrificing incels, and then we're selling incel soil conditioner for like yeah. for like a hundred euro for for like a <laughs> kilo. Like I said, it's Treehouse of Horror yeah. rules. <laughs> So yeah. do we end it there? Is it we survived the Wicker Man because... Uh, We're the bad guys. Because <laughs> Christopher Lee would be horrified. Christopher Lee's character would be horrified by how far we take it. Well, where I was going to go with that is um, the... Yeah, we'll finish this up. I was going to go with... the idea, So the message, like the warning that um, the sergeant gives Christopher Lee at the end is the only sacrifice better than me is you and when it fails next year they're going to sacrifice you and he's not wrong yeah <clears throat> he's not but technically he is because are you aware that there is a sequel to The Wicker Man I didn't know that there's a film called The Wicker Tree yeah directed by the original director no starring Christopher Lee 
Christopher Lee's last film, so he's only in one scene. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's set. It was made. It was released in 2011. It was made 40 years after the original. That's crazy. Yeah, and so now it's a weird film. It's kind of like it is a sequel, but it kind of works as, as its own movie too. I guess it's a spiritual sequel. Yeah, so if you go by the fact that there's a sequel, they, they didn't sacrifice Christopher Lee's character. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because yeah. he's around. But that doesn't really. I know. I, I know what you're saying. I just wanted to mention that there was a sequel. Yeah, I did not know that. And the sequel's funny. It's um. The plot is it's like an American country and western singer who's like a you know she has her her and her I think it's her and her boyfriend have like a band together and they have like the purity rings and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, brilliant! And they come over on a, like a, a missionary type of thing, <laughs> and that's how the. And I remember when it came out. Actually, I went to see it in like the lighthouse, and I was thinking like this is a bit like a bit too old fashioned because it was set in modern times, and I was like, they don't. They don't come over to like England and Scotland on missionary <laughs> mission missionary missions. That that shit doesn't happen nowadays. And then a few years later, we had the uh, repeal and gay marriage referendum, and it was loads of Americans coming over to to try and to results. try and sway the vote. And I was like, oh, I guess this shit does still happen. <laughs> yeah, they're on their message from God. To... So I must watch it because I remember watching the movie and thinking this doesn't seem realistic at all. <laughs> how wrong was i oh, yeah. but obviously so we're joking obviously we're not going to like start killing people on our island just one just one person yeah yeah john, that one john, john krasinski <laughs> i assume he's uh, a virgin <laughs> it's a marriage of convenience it's a marriage of convenience <laughs> I was gonna say, sorry <laughs> i was gonna say on that one person is you, dear listener. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and, but, uh, that's far better. John Krasinski is better. <laughs> but no, I think we, we survived a wicker man because in either role, well, we don't work in the Howie role, even if we did, yeah. like, we'd be very, like, we'd survive, like, well, the funny thing is, we'd survive because we'd lose, because, like, let's say it's like, 15 years ago when it happens to us yeah. for your benefit because you're a married man now uh, we'd probably be easily seduced so we'd end <laughs> up surviving because yeah. we'd be easily seduced um, yeah. so we'd survive based on that and if we were running a cult we'd probably we'd probably do the same so uh, <laughs> we'd probably just be, be a bit better at it yeah uh, so I guess we survived the Wicker Man. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> is there any? Is there anything else to add? Nope, that's it. Actually, I have one thing to add. This is completely. I just forgot to mention this earlier. Yeah, this is the film is uh, very loosely inspired by a novel by david piner or pinner i can't don't really know how to pronounce his name and i've been wanting to read the book for ages the really funny thing is i have the book on my bookshelf hold on i'll show you it here it is 
this is the book it's, it's based on. I've had this for about 10 years. Yeah. And I'm afraid to read it because I don't want to bend the spine because I bought this secondhand in a bookstore. And it's perfect. And it's perfect. And it's signed by the author. Oh, no way. And it got a limited release and he's dead. There's only like, there was only like something like 20,000 copies released. So it's like, I just don't want to bend the spine because it'll hurt the value of the book. Oh, no. <laughs> So buy it on Kindle. Or so something. I just thought that was funny. Well, that's it. I actually, it's it turned out I, I'm only like an hour into it, but it turns out it's on Audible, so I'm listening to the audiobook. Oh, very good. So, uh, oh, that'd be if we don't have Audible sponsorship, that'd have been a great, <laughs> great plug. That'd be good. Maybe we'll get some, and I'll throw it in there. Uh, but yeah, I think I think uh, we survived a Wicker Man. Uh, we're in the Halloween season, so we're going to be coming back and doing another Halloween-themed episode next week, I think. Yeah, we'll try and do as many as we can for October, I think, if we can. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll try to get at least... We'll, we'll, we'll get two more. Yeah. I'm confident. Uh, next week, we're going to do The Evil Dead, yeah. so as people know. And until next time, have a nice sacrifice. <laughs>